Hi, this is Jim Brangenberg, the host of the I Work For Him radio show. Thanks for listening to the I Work For Him podcast, where we discuss our workplace as our mission field. The live version of our show can be heard each weekday afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern on AM 570 and 910 WTBN, locally in the Tampa Bay area, and worldwide on the web at letstalkfaith.com or iHeartRadio. Our website, iWorkForHim.com, has great resources on how you can learn about how your workplace can be your mission field. And also check out the sponsors that bring you the radio show each and every day. And while you're there on I Work For Him, click on the I Work For Him Nation flag and prayerfully consider joining the I Work For Him Nation. Join thousands around the globe praying for their coworkers and employees by name each and every day. That's IWorkForHim.com. I Work, the number four, Him.com. Remember, your workplace is your mission field, and in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Thanks again for listening. I hope this broadcast will make an impact on your life so that you'll never look at your workplace the same again. Let's get to today's show. You've tuned into the fastest one hour in Christian talk radio, but it's not great because it's fast. It's great because we focus on ministries and people whose lives have been transformed in the marketplace. That's what makes this a fast-moving show, because there's so much to share. There's so many ministries to highlight. There's so many authors to talk to. There's so many testimonies to share that every day is a fast-moving show. Have you taken a moment and gone out to iWorkForHim.com to join the iWorkForHim nation? Members of the I Work For Him Nation are people, are listeners of I Work For Him that have decided they want to make an impact in the workplace by praying for their coworkers and employees, by serving those that they work alongside, by being a blessing to others, by becoming a friend with them, which gives you an opportunity to share the faith and the hope that you have in Jesus. Members of the I Work For Him Nation are also looking for ways to pray with people when they notice that people are just down and out. But all along, Christ-following members of the I Work For Him Nation are people who are people of excellence in their position. They are setting the standard for excellence in their position in their workplace. These are people that said, I'm going to do everything I can do to give God the glory with everything I do each and every day. Go out to iWorkForHim.com right now. Join the I Work For Him Nation. This is not a club that you're joining where you pay a fee. This is not something where, you know, you're. It, this is a commitment you're making between you and me and the Lord. And, and for me, it's so that I know I can send out encouraging notes to you. But between you and the Lord, said, no, I want to be a transformation person in my workplace. And I want the transformation to start in my mind and in my heart. Romans 12, 2 talks about this transformation. It says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. Why? Because they're broken. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And it is so important that we stop operating the way the world thinks. Every day, if you listen to the news, life is uncertain. But God's not. It doesn't matter who is the president, who's in the Senate, who's in the House, it doesn't matter who's the local mayor, God is still on the throne. That doesn't matter who you work for, because you ultimately work for Christ. Every day, I try to bring on guests to help you find out about great ministries that are out there, people that are really making an impact on the kingdom. And today, we're talking with Brad Jeffrey. He's with an organization called Cause Gear. And one of my listeners told me about it, I was like, oh, I have got to bring on Brad Jeffrey to talk about this. Brad Jeffrey, President and CEO of Cosgear, welcome to I Work For Him. Thanks, Jim. Great to be here. 
Yeah, I just really appreciate you giving us the time. I, I know you're busy, and I know your your reach is around the world, but I know you got a heart for making an impact. Mm. Uh, and and I just really, it's like I, when I've heard about what you were doing, I'm thinking, wow, you're wanting to make an impact on workplaces around the world with Cause Gear, and I just think that that's fantastic. But before we get into all about Cause Gear, I always start the show with every with this question. Every guest answers this question: How is Jesus Christ making an impact, making a difference on your life? today mm. yeah that's a good question i uh as i've gotten into this this social enterprise that we'll talk more about i i'm learning more and more um about the importance of my dependence on him doing you know making a change in um in your career or your mission or your your life puts you in a very vulnerable place and for me um, I'm taking a big risk by doing what I'm doing, and I'm finding that every day I wake up and I'm saying more often, Lord, I can't do this. Um, help me every minute. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't know. I, I can't imagine the day without your strength, so help me. So I'm getting more and more, I guess, desperate. Um, and today I, I said that prayer again right when I got up. Get me through the day, Lord. Use me fully. So it's really created, I guess, a greater need of dependency for me. Well, and that's really a struggle, I think, that a lot of Christ followers ident- can identify with, because there's no real manual, well, there is, it's called the Bible, but when in the day-to-day footsteps, to be faithful and to keep dependent on the Holy Spirit in our day-to-day operations, and when God asks us to take that step of faith, and we don't really know where that next step is going to go, those are tough steps of faith. And a lot of us haven't seen that modeled in the lives of those around us, and so we may be modeling it for others. Did you ever have that step of faith example modeled for you in your life? Um, not completely, no. I mean, to some degree, my father um, was pretty bold in doing certain things, but not to the level that I'm having to experience right now. I think most of it came from some watching and observing other people and reading books and being inspired by other um, business as mission leaders, um, particularly Richard Stearns in his book, The Whole in Our Gospel, really, really resonated with me and uh, really helped me with this. As the an example. Whole in Our Gospel. I love that. That's that's so good. I love that. Well, and really, I picked out a Bible verse that, that really kind of goes around the whole conversation we had today. Uh, James two fourteen through 17. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm, and be filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, it's dead. And really, that's what Cause Gear is about, is answering this question, helping people feed themselves and stay warm, and doing it in a way that blesses everybody involved in the transaction. We're talking today with Brad Jeffrey, president and CEO of Cause Gear. And Brad, as I look at your history, you spent a long time in a family business before God caused you to step out. What was the what was the thing that caused you to, to say, yeah, this isn't where I want to spend the rest of my life? What happened in your life? Yeah. Um, well, it's kind of two steps. One, as I, I came back to Christ, I was in the desert and away from him for a while. And um, when I was kind of born again again, I had new eyes on life and life purpose and, and got very involved in in the church outside of work. And during that process, I became less and less 
interested in my job and more interested in serving and missional work and church involvement, etc., to the point where I had this separation in my day that I didn't like. It was like I would go to work and do business, but then I would dream about getting out of work. And I kept asking myself the question, why can't the two be one? Why can't work be ministry? Um, why do I have to have this separation? So that led me to investigate business as mission and learn about that a concept. And when I, when I found out that that was, that was a reality, that you could do this to do a mission and business as one, I became really interested in trying to shift our current family business culture to that mindset. Uh, and then, but eventually uh, it was incompatible with the business. Um, that that was about me, and I had to make a choice. Do I, if I really want this, um, I'll have to leave. Hmm. Now, at what point in time did halftime come involved in there? Because that right. that made a, a huge impact on my own life. I I loved it when I read your testimony. Like, ha another halftime guy. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, so halftime was really the catalyst of answering the question: How do I combine the two? So, group of people from our church were playing a halftime uh, retreat down in Texas to go to the Institute, and I went on that, that trip. And it was at that trip that you, what halftime does is help you basically create a strategic plan for the rest of your life, putting the Lord first. And my plan coming out of that was, was this integration of work and faith, um, that was they, they were very encouraging, and they put me in touch with, with businesses that were doing that. And it was through that investigation and realization through those businesses that gave me the confidence and the vision for this idea, for this, this, this blending of the two. So, so let's talk about it. That, that led to you starting the organization you now call Cause Gear. So talk about that transformation where you, where you sure. started the organization. Yeah, so um, I... I went on a few mission trips before that, and 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 it witnessed global poverty and injustice. And, Where did and you go? The Lord, I went to, first went to Mexico for a five day trip, and that was a very profound beginning of this kind of transformation of my heart. I'm um, I'm in Juarez, Mexico, helping some people build a house for kind of typical mission trip, and I had a very um, I would say arrogant attitude about poverty and and. And what was going on in the rest of the world, I thought that everything, everybody was like America, or the world was like America, where if you worked hard and, you know, you got things done, you can, um, you could make your life different. Well, that's, that's not true. And most of the world is, uh, you know, dealt a different deck of cards and doesn't have that opportunity. And there's a lot of corruption, et cetera. We can get into all that. But the point is, I came back and had new eyes for poverty and injustice to the point where I looked at my surroundings when I got home and I became physically sick, physically ashamed and sick of how much, I, how much stock I put in the wealth and title and, and, and material accomplishments and all that. And that's when the Lord started to work on me and say there's so much more to life than accumulating things and, you know, and, and, and uh, corporate success, so to speak. Um, that led to researching poverty, slavery, that whole topic more. And then a few years later, I went on another trip to Ethiopia and Kenya, and that's when the business um, concept kind of burst. I was in the Kibera slum in Nairobi, which is the largest slum 
in in Kenya, about a half a million people in one square mile, if you can imagine that, oh, with no, no utilities. It just uh, uh, the stench is unbelievable in the darkness. It was there that I met some women that were eager to do whatever it took to make three or four dollars a day to get their, you know, to survive. And I'm like, you know, what if people like this could make a high quality product that the American consumer loves to buy, and you had this relationship between the consumer and the maker. Um, I didn't know what the product was, but that was kind of the, the genesis of the idea was right then in that slum. So I, I, I've, I've seen the impact that actually getting into the third world has. I've, I've gone on trips with other business people who, who had the same kind of they just didn't understand the way the rest of the world lived. And, and it was, it, it's amazing that the transformational effect it has just kind of on reprioritizing your life. And all of a sudden you realize, wow, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. Right. So you, the Lord laid a vision on your heart in the slums of, of Nairobi, Kenya. And, and it, but you said you didn't really know how you were going to solve it, but how you went back, the Lord kept working in your heart how mm-hmm. did Cause Gear come about then when you realized, okay, here's what you saw, here's what here's what Cause Gear can do? How did Cause right. Gear then develop into a company? Right. So then I started to think of what what's a, what's a uh, short learning curve, fairly low skill, low capital type product that could be made. So it had, had it, I concluded hey, it have to be something you sew. It have to be a one size fits all product, and um, it would. Uh, you know, be something that people was very visible. People would share and cre- it would create conversations. So I landed on bags, backpacks, tote bags, things like that. That was the product idea. At the same time, right around that time, I came back and I had met um, the Lord. Put me in touch with a, a man from India. I never didn't know much about India, and he um, explained to me that actually the most poverty and injustice is in India. Um, so that is where I decided to do my work ultimately and help those people. Um, and I and I didn't know who was going to make it. I didn't know the exact product, but I designed some prototypes here in Chicago, made up some product, got raw materials, took a trek to India, and started to network with people that could potentially be partners to create a team to help the, the least of these, essentially. So then, how was Cause Gear set up to actually start fighting poverty and ending slavery? What mm-hmm. what was the model? How does that look? Right, right. So um, I found out that that I needed to partner with people in, in India that were already doing work in uh, for this type of people, this type of group. So there's organizations, there's ministries that are trying to rescue people out of slavery and poverty. And they come to the same conclusion, these people need a vocation, and they need to be paid well, um, pay a livable wage. So there's well, there's a need, and there's organizations and groups that are focused on rescuing these people. What they, what they didn't have and what, what I wanted to provide was the job, okay? Uh, so it was a great, it was a great um, combination. So I found, I found some groups in India that, we, that I could partner with, and then we started to train their group, who was already established. They already had sewing skills, some discipline. They just needed to uh, add some more skills of sewing the types of materials that our product was made from. 
and we started to make product. And then at the simultaneously, it was a marketing challenge at this end on the sales side, you know, creating the ability to, to market and sell. Right. And most people don't really understand what slavery is all about in today's world overseas. So if you could, from from your basic knowledge, because I'm not saying you're an expert in it, but when you said you were seeing people in slavery and extreme poverty, what does slavery look like in India? Yeah. Well, slavery today is very sophisticated. It's very underground, and uh, it's driven by uh, the desire for, for making money in a pretty, pretty sad state <laughs> or evil position, I would say. Um, slavery today is People that are um, working in, you know, uh, in brothels or or labor camps of some kind, where they're 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 doing hard labor. For a hard labor example, is making bricks. So in India, there's lots of brick making um, facilities throughout the country, and families will be enslaved, and they were forced to be there. They were kidnapped and put there, and if they try to escape they will get hurt really bad, okay? Um, and if you, if, you, if you get an example of that, you could watch the movie Slumdog Millionaire, because there's some, some mm-hmm. examples of that, that. So that's that's kind of typical. And the other side of it is um, the prostitution or the sex industry. Many young girls, and unfortunately they're getting younger and younger, many are, are taken from uh, uh, northern India, and uh, they could get into that through being tricked or kidnapped, or even a parent may say, you know, um, the stranger is going to take care of my daughter and provide a job, and I want to believe that they're going to provide for them better than I can because I can't even put food on the table. So a, a father will let a, a stranger take their daughter away, thinking that this person's going to take care of them, when in reality they've just, uh, you know, kidnapped them uh, and put them in a situation where they're, they are enforced prostitution. Um, it's a big money industry. There's a uh, there's more money I, I've read. There's more money made in slavery today than Google and Starbucks combined make. To put it in perspective, that's a it's, staggering number. Yeah, yeah. So it it's linked to poverty because of people are desperate and jobs don't provide. So an example of that is in Bangladesh, and we have a video of this on our website where um, young girls come out of the fashion factories working a 12-hour day, hungry, tired, desperate. And a stranger will walk up to them and say, gosh, uh, you know, you probably need a better job, etc. I've got something for you. They believe the stranger, and they leave with them, wanting to be sold within the hour for $300 to a madam in a brothel nearby. And um, they can't get out. They try to get out, they get injured, etc., so these are the kinds of things that are going on. And to put perspective in it, um, on it, there's 35.8 million slaves in the world. It's the largest in history, largest number ever. Forty percent of that is in India. So, um, yeah, big numbers. So how um, did this get so out of control? I mean, is it driven by what is driving the slavery number? Is it is it driven by consumerism around the world, or what's driving it? I I say it's, it's you know, I don't know the I don't have the all the answers, but I would say it's largely driven by um, by money and and people taking advantage of people to make money. Um, so in poor countries, it's a survivor world. India has a lot of poverty. So India has 1.3 billion population, but there's about 600 million, almost double the size of the United States, in deep deep poverty, basically homeless. 
So there's desperation in that. So a man finds out that he can, you know, make some good money doing this, and you know, he worked for somebody else who's who's in, who's just as evil as he is, and you know, it's driven by profit and money. And um, and then, and the other side of it is this is this is the hard this is the harder harder thing I think to get is that prostitution in many of these places, particularly India, is a family business. Okay. What do you mean? What do you mean? Yeah. Um, well, parents run brothels. Uh, families run brothels. Okay. Prostitution is legal in India as long as it's um, a brothel that that you're and you're not soliciting on the street, and 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 the women are at least eighteen years of age. Now, what happens is the mother, mom, and dad are running a brothel, and they have a fifteen-year-old daughter, sixteen-year-old daughter, and they think they know they can make money off of her, and the the daughter's grown up in this environment of men coming and going from their home, essentially. And she sees her mother doing it. They just think this is the way it is. This is what a woman or young woman does. They don't know any different. And their family makes good money and provides other things for their their family through this. And there's been situations where I've I've, I've talked to rescuing agencies like International Justice Mission. They've told me that some of their hardest rescue missions are getting girls out of these family environments because the girls think, "Well, this is family. This is what I know, and I don't want to. Lo- I don't want to leave my mom and dad." Mm-hmm. So it's hard to comprehend, but that's so, that's what's going on. So truly, I mean, and, and this is something we talked about in our emails leading up to the show. This poverty becomes, and it's a spiritual condition for these people because it really mm-hmm. impacts their souls, and yes. it's something that the enemy uses to darken everything around them, and it becomes something that the the enemy clouds their ability to see that there's something better out there that right. Christ can offer an answer, right. and, and, and that's. And that's really where Cause Gear comes in. You're looking for an opportunity to be able to bring the light of Jesus into a place where that's not necessarily so easy to do. So talk about what your plan is, what Cause Gear is doing in places in India today. Yeah. So we, um, we have a pretty big vision. Um, our, our mission vision is to transform the lives of a million people who are victims of unfathomable poverty and injustice, basically what I just described. That means we need to provide jobs for 250,000 crafters because every crafter can support three other people. Okay. okay, that's a lot of jobs and that's a lot of a lot of business. Um, though that's you know that's our BHAG. That's what we decided to go for. It's what God laid out of my heart. The big way we're hairy doing, audacious goal. Just so those people don't know right. what a BHAG is, big hairy yeah. audacious goal. That's right. That's right. And this one's big. It's audacious. So what we do is we um, seek out like-minded partners in India who are Christian organizations or businesses like ours who have the, who have the same mission, and we partner to provide good jobs sit in safe, clean environments that also include the gospel. So, for example, one of our teams is in the heart of Kolkata, India, right in the same alleyway or nearby to the largest red light district of Asia. There's 10,000 women working in this red light district. Many of them are forced or underage or forced by their parents, etc. Serving 20,000 clients a day. Okay? That's what's going on in Kolkata right now. 
we have a crafting team there that we partner with this organization who who provides an alternative life, but probably more importantly, the light of Jesus. So every morning, there's over 200 women that are part of this group now that hear the gospel, and they and they're 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 being prayed on, they're being counseled, they're being loved on, and they're being provided a clean, safe working environment that's full of joy and light and, um, you know, just a, an alternative experience to, to what maybe their family heritage is all about. And they're, and they're making, they're sewing uh, it, pieces, uh, the backpacks, totes, things like that, that you're then selling or arranging to sell here in the United right. States. So, so they make the products. And they make, you know, we can get into some of the details of the products, but they're making, yeah, T-shirt. We're also making T-shirts. We're moving into apparel. So they may be making T-shirts or bags. Then we connect the consumer here in the United States to this mission through making high-quality products that are market competitive. And this is the key. So consumer, let's talk about the consumer side. So in America... There's about $200 billion annually spent on fashion-related products. So that's the size of the consumer engine, if you want to call it. So we as consumers play a role in this equation. So what we do is we create and provide products that are competitive with major brands on price, quality, features, etc., when you went to India, how did you find these manufacturers that weren't enslaving people, but that truly had a heart for Christ? Mm, yeah. Um, well, there are there's a network of of groups or many small manufacturing teams making product, though the designs and the quality wasn't to our standards. So we had to train them to do that. Though the basic infrastructure was there. There's um, there are, and I'm, I'm finding more and more of these, so it's really encouraging. But there's there's groups there that are they're actually making products, but they're just not they're just not there in terms of quality and design. So what we do is we we take them to another level, but the but the foundation is there. So you found manufacturers that, but but how did you identify the manufacturers that weren't hiring slaves or weren't weren't having slaves and, and right. were actually willing yeah. to pay a living wage? Through uh through church contacts mainly through my network of people that that um uh, were involved in Indian ministries or were involved in, in compassion ministries of some kind or organizations that had had the same motivation that I did to help these people and just a lot of trial and error a lot of networking it's taken a while you know um though um, God has provided I, I remember going to India in the, in the early days and I had. I had really no idea who I was going to see. The original appointment that that fell through, and so I was just going on faith, and I was there for three weeks. And it turned out I, I met with nine different candidate teams, and only one qualified, and that was our first team. Um, since then, we've expanded quite a bit. Um, so, But um, it's just a constant process of, of trusting the Lord and networking with like-minded people. All right, so let's explain the 5X model. Because people don't, they're not going to understand it until you actually put numbers to it. You're right. paying people a living wage. What is this 5X model? So the current standard uh, average wage for people in the fashion world is $2 a day for 12-hour days, which works out to be about 18 cents an hour, which people can't live on that. Now, what we've learned through our research and studying um, 
with the what a the wage that would get people to a livable wage to provide for basic necessities, basic essentials, is about eight dollars a day. So we we started there, and then we designed products and techniques to make those products so that we could make a product that's that's still uh, profitable that could pay for our expenses, et cetera, and provide us eight dollars in eight hours. So that's that's. That's what 5X is. It's, uh, it's five times the norm, which equates to $8 or a dollar an hour, basically. Um, and and that's, that's the livable wage. We need to come up with some way to, to uh, define this and make it tangible and be transparent financially. So you've been in the manufacturing locations, then where, you, where the people are, are, are making the stuff that cause gear cells. You've actually been to those locations. Yes, I go about every six months to India and meet with and work with our, our partners. And, and you've seen the good ones, the ones that you're working with, and you've seen the ones that you chose not to work with. What's the difference in the working conditions? Yeah, good question. Um, the difference is that in the, and then I'll start with the negative. The, the negative situation is people are in a dark room sitting on the floor, well, typically under, underage to begin with, and they're... Um, they uh, they're exposed to hazardous materials or fumes or environment. Um, I remember work, walking through one slum and uh, there was a, a young boy that was melting aluminum in one one situation in sandals. Okay, <laughs> he's working with molten aluminum, recycling so to speak aluminum cans with no ventilation in the room. So you got aluminum fumes which are toxic, and he's walking around in sandals with open you know open toes. Um, and then, and then I walked past another, another, um, room where, where someone was washing out cans, uh, paint cans with hazardous solvent. That solvent was running off onto the ground and down the alleyway where kids were playing in their bare feet. So that's kind of typical. And many of the slums are manufacturing centers. Um, that's where a lot of things are made. So our, our setup is a clean, safe environment, well lit, uh, not using hazardous chemicals. Uh, people there have ergonomically good, you know, sitting situations, or, or you know, they can actually work in a way that doesn't, you know, hurt their bodies. And they get breaks, you know, something like a, you know, best practice environment here in the United States. You would see um, clean, safe, you know, good tools, able to take breaks, you know, et cetera. So you said that you've got about 200 people working for, uh, 200 women now working for you in this alternative, this new alternative lifestyle, this safe lifestyle, working for a manufacturer, making a living wage. How is that starting to impact the communities that they work in, that they live in? Yeah, so what's happening is uh, the people that are there are, are able to now, people that the people that are working are able to provide for their families, they're actually living in, in decent, you know, uh, living conditions. They're actually, actually building new homes, eating good meals. Kids are going, their kids are going to school. They're getting medical treatment. Um, so there's a the practical side to all that. You just see that. You know, I, I, last, I was in India in February and had lunch at one of the crafters' homes. They, uh, they made lunch. We had lunch together. And I was hearing all kinds of stories of, of how how their life has changed in terms of the, the their quality of life of just having basic essentials. Um, so those are the cool stories. Another story I've heard was that 
a woman that um, came out of the red light district. Uh, I was an older woman, and she left that to become a crafter. Her daughter has now decided not to become maybe part of that world, and to and now and she's now working in in the, in the crafting team. And so there's a there's a sense of hope and a new example of what you know what uh, they can do, Gen- changing generations, changing legacies. That's, that's so the best part. It's sustainable long term. Well, and and now that they're able to have food and clothing, and, and and obviously we're not talking about a lot of money, but ten, you know, eight bucks a day. But there's they're able to raise their standard. Does that then give the manufacturer an opportunity to bring Jesus to them and to actually see the connection between Christ and the attitude of the manufacturer? So, we're, we're what's happening more and more is people, missionaries, are going to these countries and they want to share the gospel, and what they're finding is that that these, before they can even talk about the gospel, people need basic things. They need to be able to have nourishment and, and be able to, you know, um, get sleep and, and be coherent, right? I mean, if you're, we know from our own experience, right, if we're tired and hungry, we're not really good listeners, right? <laughs> and we have, we're desperate for other basic needs. So what's happening is more and more pastors and groups and missionaries are looking at providing dignified jobs as a first step. Um, right. to, uh, to connecting. And so that's what's happening. These people are going, well, I want to I be part of that team because they, they value me as a human and they're providing me a great job. Now the door is open. Now, now there's a trust being built. And now they can start talking about even more important things like salvation and, and, and faith. So let's finish the rest of the connection on cause gear. So you've hired this manufacturer in India to produce products, totes, bags, backpacks, t-shirts, and you're bringing them back here. What are you doing with them? How, how can people get involved in supporting what you're doing and actually helping people get living wages? Let's connect the dots for people. Yeah, absolutely. And first I want to just mention what we, where I started to say before the break is that we are, for this thing to work, we have to provide quality products that are competitive in the marketplace. So our products, if you compare them to other things in the market, you'll say, wow, they're priced compared to other, other products. The quality's there. They're, they're what I like to buy anyway. So that's important right there. So we're selling our products through our web store, CauseGear.com, and through re- retail stores, uh, including and, and, and other web, web platforms like Amazon. Um, but another, the, probably the most um, impactful sales channel that we're that we're uh, growing in, and that is to organizations and event planners. So people that are doing big events or businesses that are doing corporate social responsibility, and they they buy a lot of bags and put their brand on on things. That's where we have the biggest impact. So we just we have a we just started working with an organization in Chicago area that is a huge uh, event venue. They do concerts and all kinds of things. They just ordered 5,000 cause gear items to put their brand on. And what that did was it created over a year of life-changing essentials for many people. Uh, I think it was like eight people. So depending on the price point. But that's the kind of impact we can have. Um, so we encourage people, if you're a decision maker who, who is uh, procuring products for events or conferences or your corporation, or you're doing gifting, that's, that's, that's the group that we, we really love to talk to. Or if it's just an individual and you want to buy a backpack for, you know, back to school, or you want to get a messenger bag for work or a purse or whatever, um, you can buy those things directly on our website. 
And that's CauseGear.com, CauseGear.com. We're talking today with Brad Jeffrey. He's the president and CEO of CauseGear, C-A-U-S-E, gear.com, CauseGear.com. So the name CauseGear, Brad, as you look at it, people think, well, here's a cause, and let's buy their gear. So talk to me about how, how has this made an impact on your life, and how can people get involved today? Yeah, it's um, impacted in fact, on me, it's been huge. I can't get into all of it, but I guess overall, the big thing is it's just made me um, more sensitive and appreciative of of just the basics uh, in life. You know, when I every time I go to India and I and I experience that world, and just the you know just have just having to navigate through that world in terms of the you know, ba- you know looking for clean water and having having uh, you know a good place to sleep and and uh and an environment staying clean etc just basic things i come back to our world and i go wow i mean it's just i'm so blessed that that i get to live in a clean safe place with the opportunities that we enjoy in america so that that has really helped me um and it's just uh it, it, i don't complain as much i still do about <laughs> sure. the things that you know that we complain about. Well, you, you live know? in Chicago, so there's a little bit to complain about there. The winters, yeah, there's a little bit to complain about, but less and less. You know, it's like I used to complain about road construction in Chicago because they're always working on the roads. But now I'm like, <laughs> yes, well, at they least are. they're at least they're working on the roads, and you know what I mean. And at least they're smooth when they're done. You know, in India, it's just you know you'd be happy if you found a road that's smooth and you can actually get through without you know having to dodge cars all the time. So and people staying in their lanes. I mean, it's just so there's this basic thing. But as far as engagement, we have a great um, section on our website that highlights this. Uh, it's under the Engage tab up on the top um, navigation bar, and there's a variety of ways. Um, one of the big ways that you kind of alluded to is that if you have a cause that you're passionate about, we would love to support that through 20% of our sales going direct, directly to that cause. And the way that works is you uh, fill out a short application on our website, and we get to understand what your cause is and what you're going to do with this money. And, and then we give you a code, uh, a, a identity code that people use when they shop on our website. And at the end of the month, we send a check to, to this cause for 20% of the sales that were generated through that code. So it's a really simple way for people to rate, use, use CrossCare as a fundraising tool. The other thing we have is we have an advocate program where people can advocate for us and raise money themselves, either personal income or money for mission trip or or their own or their own person their their ministry, whatever that may be. That could be a church. We have a couple partners where churches actually have a cause gear display. They have a display, but they don't have to do any transactions. All the transactions again are done on the website, but the church gets credit up to thirty percent. In that program, so so lots of ways people get involved. Yeah, right, I got it. Yeah. We, we got to be done. We've come to the end of the show. Thank you so much for giving us your time today, sharing about Cause Gear. Brad Jeffrey with Cause Gear. Thank you so much. God bless you. Thank you. You too. As we come to the end of another I Work For Him radio program, you heard today about a way you can make an impact on villages in India by attaching your cause to manufacturing. and people who are going to do the manufacturing with a livable wage in India. Five times the wage that normally get. Go out to causegear.com, causegear.com, and get involved today. If you're a business owner and you need to buy bags or T-shirts, this is a great way for you to get involved. What a fantastic... uh, 
ministry to hear about today, causegear.com. You've been listening to Our Work Room with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower, and I own my own business, but ultimately, I work for him. <laughs>